Very picky about who we take on. We want to only take on dogs that we know we can turn around, rehabilitate, and, and find a home for. I'm Phil Hatterman, and this is Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Today, Dr. Kimberly Hunt talks about chiropractic treatment for animals and her charity, Sunflower Rescue Group. If you're new to this podcast, in each episode, we explore the world of dog care and companionship. We save each other is the motto of Rosie Fund, which simply means the more we do for dogs, the more they do for us, and they already do a lot. If you love dogs, you'll love dog words. We welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions. Go to the podcast page at rosiefund.org to share your thoughts. The only way we know what topics and guests you like is if you tell us. Then we'll try to deliver more of that. Please download, subscribe, rate, and most importantly, share dog words. Please follow Rosie Fund on social media, especially the free Rosie Fund YouTube channel that offers great videos of Rosie, Peaches, and Shelter Dogs, including some exclusive content. October is Adopt a Shelter Dog Month. At Rosie Fund, we encourage you to make a difference in a shelter dog's life. You can do just that by purchasing one of our We Save Each Other t-shirts at bonfire.com. Use the link in this episode's description. All proceeds go towards supporting our mission of helping senior and harder-to-adopt dogs have a better life. We are grateful to alternative string duo The Wires for allowing us to share their wonderful music with you on each episode of Dog Words. Like many musicians, they are finding creative ways to reach their audience. Their underground virtual concert series features performances and storytelling from mysterious and historical sites around Kansas City. Purchase a single concert for $15 or buy the series ticket for $60 and receive a digital download of their holiday album. Trust me, that's a tremendous value, and you'll be supporting local musicians. Learn more at the link in this episode's description. The mission of Rosie Fund is to provide humans with the resources and education they need to help give senior and harder-to-adopt dogs a better life. We thank you for joining our mission. Today's guest on Dog Words is Dr. Kimberly Hunt, animal chiropractor. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thank you. We are also joined in studio by Peaches Delight, so you might hear her in the background. We welcome any input that Peaches has, as always. We had Liz Jeans on the show, who does pet massage, and talked a little bit about Stateline Animal Hospital, where you are a chiropractor, as well as your own practice with chiropractic. So we're going to get into all of that, but first... I'm guessing you're a dog person, and based <laughs> on all the smells that Peaches had to explore when you arrived, I know you have dogs, so tell us about your history with dogs. Oh, sure. Well, I grew up with a dog as my best friend. His name was Buddy, and I came home from school every day, and he was right there waiting for me, and um, he was an outside dog, and I always thought, you know, when I get older, I'm going to have an inside dog. <laughs> well... I have six dogs now, <laughs> so um, I get plenty of love every day from my dogs. I had to make the transition growing up on a farm that dogs were for outside. You loved your dog, but it was not a house dog. It was always weird to me when I would go to relatives, for instance, in Kansas City who had house dogs. One of them had a St. Bernard <laughs> in a house as a house dog. And that was just weird to me. It's like the dogs want to be outside. And so it wasn't until I was in my forties that my wife and I finally decided yeah, we can do this. And it went from fostering to realizing 
we could have a dog full time. We don't have to just go to KC Pet Project to get our dog fix. Mm-hmm. We can still do that and have a dog at home. So that was uh, not something I looked forward to. It was just something I accepted that, well, until I eventually live on a farm myself and can have an outside dog, I won't have a dog. So you've taken the plunge, so mm-hmm. to speak, with, sure. with six dogs. And of course, they get the best chiropractic care of, of any dog. What brought you to dog chiropractic? Well, it's an interesting story. I was a chiropractor for humans. I actually treated humans for 14 years before I switched over to uh, dogs and cats and and, uh, and large animals as well. I've adjusted horses and, and cattle and goats and so forth. Your but table must be huge. <laughs> right. Is that a custom? Does <laughs> unroof furniture, do they? Uh, so, uh, but... Uh, I, I was about 10 years into practice on humans, and a colleague of mine said she got certified in animal chiropractic. And I thought, uh, I'm a chiropractor, and I've never heard about animal chiropractic, right? Of course, now that's what I hear from, from everyone else is there is chiropractic for animals. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I hadn't yeah. heard about it until yeah, I'd been practicing for, yeah, 10, for years. 10 years. So obviously they didn't offer that class at the school where I went, so... I was really intrigued, and as my practice grew on, and, and uh, you know, I kept that in the back of my mind because, of course, I love animals. And I sustained a shoulder injury at some point in my practice, and I had to take some time off. And I thought, well, this is my opportunity to get trained. It's a five-month program, and I uh, became an animal chiropractor. And so I slowly, over a couple of years, started transitioning, adding in, um, worked on animals two days a week over at Stateline Animal Hospital while I kept my human practice and eventually I got so busy with the animals, I was able to essentially fire all my human patients. They weren't very happy, but I was. <laughs> so. And if no one else knows that there's animal chiropractic, the, the downside of that is people who have an animal that needs it don't know that this is an option for treatment. But the upside is there's not a lot of competition out there. That's true. And, you know, that's changing. We are getting more animal chiropractors and people are becoming more educated and hearing about animal chiropractic through their friends. And there are even some veterinarians now who uh, have that on their radar. Obviously, they didn't learn about it in school. And they're having their clients come in and say, hey, I took my dog to the animal chiropractor and I got great results. So now we're seeing those veterinarians referring for animal chiropractic much more than they did, you know, say, seven years ago when I got started in the profession. But we're still a long way from market saturation as far as practitioners of chiropractic oh, abs- or animals. Absolutely. Um, I think things like this podcast, just getting the word out that there is such a thing as animal chiropractic, I think it's very helpful. Most people I know go to a chiropractor. So it's not like it's this. So I have a challenge because I teach private yoga for golfers. And when someone does it, they go, this is the best thing ever for my golf game, other than actually getting golf instruction, which is where I tell people, start with golf instruction. That's have the fundamentals. And then yoga for golfers. And I face the same challenge that because no one's ever heard of it, it takes a while to process how it applies to them. Right. And we're a long way from market saturation. For me, I feel there would be great benefit. Let me put it this way. I'm not worried about the competition. I'm not worried about there being too many yoga for golfers certified instructors out there. I want more of them so more people know about it and then more people take advantage of it. Right. And with chiropractic, do you get referrals or exposure from your 
human chiropractic. I'm not sure how to phrase it because you're a human <laughs> chiropractor, but people who practice chiropractic for human, do they refer people or patients to you when they find out, oh, you're having issues with your dog and your dog's moving slow or your dog is recovering from injury? It's like, you should go to my friend Kimberly. I do have some of that. And here's how that started, I think. When I decided to switch over to treating animals, I had my human patients asking me to refer them to other chiropractors. And I thought, you know, let's reach out. So I sent out a mailing to 300 chiropractors all around the Kansas City area, introducing myself, letting them know that I do animal chiropractic, put my business card in there, and then ask them to send their business card and a little bit about their practice so we can cross-refer. Great. And what happened was when people come into their chiropractor and they're getting treated and they're having a conversation, they mention something about their, their animal having back pain. And then those chiropractors remember that letter and they go get my card and say, mm -hmm. I know an animal chiropractor. So, you know, I've actually had um, quite a few people sent from their chiropractor to me. The other way that people find me is through, they start searching, you know, back pain for dogs, or they may maybe even uh, suspect there are animal chiropractors or, or they've heard of it. So they'll Google it and I come up in the Google search. Again, like I said, some of the veterinarians are, are now starting to refer, which is great. And we like to co-treat with them. Um, mm -hmm. You know, if, if the animal needs some anti-inflammatory while we're getting their spine aligned and balanced out, that's great. And then finally, people who have taken their dog to an animal chiropractor and have seen the good results, they tend to talk about it. Yes. You know, and even there have been people that have been at a dog park with their dog and they see a dog that's limping or seems to have some pain and they'll they'll go over and tell the owner, hey, you need to take your dog to my animal chiropractor. <laughs> so, Which doesn't surprise me at yeah. all that people do that for dogs, and, but they don't do it for humans. I think yeah. you're more likely to share the great experience you had with a chiropractor for your dog than you are for your personal experience because people are reticent to talk about, I have back trouble or, or whatever issue is taking them to a chiropractor. And you're definitely not just going to walk up to somebody at a party and say, I don't know you, but I noticed you're limping. <laughs> well, <laughs> Have I'm... you been to a chiropractor? <laughs> but at a dog park, you're not going to hesitate to go try to help out somebody whose dog looks like it might be suffering. Well, it's true because we all love dogs. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is I think we take and better. And they break down social barriers. It's true. It's true. And it's something they all have in common at the dog park. They all have dogs. They all mm -hmm. love dogs. But I think the most importantly – we as humans take better care of our pets than we do ourselves. Yes. And I'll have people tell me, you know, I've been taking both of my dogs to the to the animal chiropractor and I haven't been in the chiropractor for months. And I say, what's wrong with this picture? Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, and you have to shuffle through your deck of 300 cards to say, okay, who's closest to where you're at? You need to take care of yourself right. so that you can take care of your dog. Exactly. Because if, uh, if you can't get out of the house because you've let your pain or injury, go untreated, well, then how are you going to take care of your dog? How are you going to take your dog for walks? How are you going to put your dog in the car to take them to see Dr. Hunt? Exactly. If you can't get out of the house. So take care of yourself. Beyond being a chiropractor, your love for animals also extends to charitable work. Tell us <laughs> about that. So I started out, um, I bought 10 acres in I'd always had kind of a dream to do some dog boarding. So I uh, turned one of the barns into a boarding barn. 
and have indoor outdoor kennels very large with a dog door in between so the dogs can just go in and out as much as they want large play yards and it was really a nice setup and I started having some dogs come to board with me and you know that was nice but and it was extra money but it wasn't really particularly rewarding like I thought it would be and I had an opportunity to take in a homeless dog who had some health concerns And it was my mission to get this dog rehabilitated in excellent health so this dog can be rehomed. And actually, the dog was going to be euthanized because the owners just couldn't take care of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it was very expensive, and they didn't have the right setup at their home. And it's easy to judge someone (coughs) who has no other option. But if you have no other option, this Mm -hmm. was not any of the first hundred things that these people considered doing. It was... We can't feed the dog. We can't keep it alive. And our only option is to turn it over to someone who will euthanize it. That's not the fault of that dog owner. That's the fault of society. You know, it, it's not for us to judge. Everyone has their own story. Everyone has their own battle. Mm-hmm. All we can do is step in and try to do what's right. And the people were extremely grateful that they didn't have to euthanize their dog. Oh, of course. I yes. took in the dog and it took about um, six months, but totally turned around the health of that dog using raw food, uh, natural supplements, good exercise, just general good health, and a little bit of medicine along the way temporarily. And you know what? When that dog went to its new home, that was rewarding. So I decided to to, um, create a nonprofit called Sunflower Rescue Group. What I do is I just take in two or three dogs at a time, and then I leave, a. I, it's a small boarding kennel, so I leave a couple kennels op- open for boarding. And then the income that comes in from boarding goes straight into the rescue group to pay for the food and the care of the rescue dogs. And so I don't have a large staff. There's just a few of us that are involved. I have a veterinarian on staff, Dr. Dan Martin. Um, I have a dog trainer, J.P. Carter. And uh, J.P. helps with the you know, any behavioral issues Mm -hmm. and Dr. Martin helps with any health issues. And then I pretty much take care of the dogs beyond that. So we keep it a very small operation, very picky about who we take on. We want to only take on dogs that we know we can turn around, rehabilitate and, and find a home for. So, Which is a tough choice to make, but if you have a dog that does not have the prospect for rehabilitation, it's going to be in the kennel longer than, well, for the rest of its life, as opposed to a dog that you can rehabilitate and adopt out, which means it's preventing turnover of multiple dogs that could be helped. And it's it's a tough choice to make, but it's Mm -hmm. a necessary choice to serve as many dogs as you can. Right. Well, luckily, there are a lot of other rescue groups out there that their goal is just to take in as many dogs as they can. And, and, uh, and find homes and put them in foster care and so forth. And that's great. That's just not my model. My model is to take a dog who's slated for euthanasia and uh, to be able to rehabilitate that dog when that dog was either going to have to be on medication its entire life or it was going to have to have an amputation or something like that, or it just wasn't going to make it. No one was going to give it a chance. So, One of the bittersweet aspects of volunteering at any shelter, and my wife and I primarily volunteer at KC Pet Project, is a dog that's had a long road. 
you don't know if it's ever going to get adopted. It finds its forever home, and now there's a new dog in that kennel, and you don't know, am I ever going to see that dog again? You're so happy for it, yeah. but then you wonder, what's its new life? Do you get that follow-up? Yeah, because I am a small operation and there's, you know, I only take in two to three at a time. I absolutely would be involved in where that dog ends up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, absolutely. You get uh, occasional visits and <clears throat> pictures or videos. Oh, yeah, I can if I want. Sure. Although I have one dog that's probably going to be going down to Austin, Texas. And I, I don't think I'm going to be visiting, <laughs> but I can certainly get the videos and, the um, you know, some updates. You mentioned you have a small staff. Do you have paid staff or volunteers or a combination? I have one part-time paid staff, and I have a couple uh, very sporadic volunteers. So, If someone is interested in becoming <clears throat> part of your volunteer staff, uh, are there openings available? Well, you just have to be good at picking up poop and pulling weeds because that's my <laughs> biggest need. <laughs> Uh, sure, sure. We, you know, I, we're definitely open for, you just, for volunteers. You just read off the top two lines of my resume. <laughs> I, I make the joke. It's a good thing I have that advanced degree because I am really good at picking up poop. <laughs> and it, and it's, it is a skill because I will see new volunteers at KC Pet Project who are going mm-hmm. through the, the dog walking training and they're picking and you can tell it's like they've never picked up poop before in their life. <laughs> Oh my goodness! It's very Human or, or or let yeah, alone dog poop. It's very humbling, you know. It, it's so real. <laughs> but it's it's an important part of the job. So they can uh, go to your website, or is there an email? How do they connect with you? <clears throat> sure. Uh, website is www.sunflowerrescuegroup.org. There will be a link to that in the description for this episode. And even if you're not interested in volunteering, check out the website. I would imagine you also, in addition to volunteers, accept donations. Oh, yeah. We could really use donations. We have a dog right now that we have to spend an incredible amount of money on before he's adoptable. And uh, right now, I think it's a little bit tough with a pandemic going on. I think a lot of the shelters kind of saw a dip in donations. But, um, you know, if anyone is looking for a place to donate, we would be very, very grateful. With shelter-at-home protocols in most municipalities, the hands-on service opportunities are very limited for a lot of people. And I know income is also limited for a lot of people. But if you're in a position to help, here's something you can do without even leaving the house. You don't even have to put on a mask. You can donate to Sunflower Rescue Group, again, by just going to the website. Mm -hmm. Do you have an Amazon wish list or anything like that? I don't, but um, I'm going to to look into... (laughs) I'm going to look into doing that. It, it's easier than you think. We don't have an Amazon wish list, but we've worked with um, other groups that do, and we are um, part of Amazon Smile, mm-hmm. so that if someone has Rosie Fund as their charity with Amazon Smile, a portion of all their eligible purchases, and usually when you hear something like eligible purchases, it's like, okay, so there's like three things on Amazon. <laughs> it's 90% of what you buy on oh, Amazon, at least. Yes, Peaches loves Amazon Smile. Thank you, Peaches. Peaches gives Amazon Smile its endorsement. It's a lot easier to sign up for Amazon Smile than you think. You just have to provide proof of your 501c3, and that's pretty much it. 
documentation of your filing. So I think it's two or three email exchanges and you're on Amazon Smile. And I tell every charity out there, get on Amazon Smile, even if it means someone's going to switch from Rosie Fund to your charity, Mm -hmm. if this gets money where it needs to go. And then once it's running, there's really nothing you need to do other than open the email when Amazon says, we're wiring money to your bank account, which is one of the other things. You have to connect the bank account for them to to transfer the funds. So Amazon Smile. And then setting up the, the wish list is no big deal. And you have nothing else to do with your time. It's not like you're, <laughs> you've got anything else to do. So get on this, Kimberly. So between animal <clears throat> chiropractic <clears throat> and sunflower rescue group do you have any time left over what else do you do oh well i also run a homestead i have <laughs> i have uh, um six nigerian dwarf goats i have three um steer i have eight ducks and uh 20 chickens so you're a disney movie <laughs> uh, so i i have plenty to do and it's amazing to me that you have the time to actually do this interview. I can't tell you how <laughs> grateful we are for that. I did the chores really fast this morning. <laughs> I've told people what they need to do to either volunteer or donate for Sunflower Rescue Group, but I haven't told them what to do if they want to explore chiropractic treatment for their animals. Sure. How do they do that? Well, I want to back up and I want to kind of talk about how they would even know if, yes. if their dog or cat, you know, needs chiropractic care. And by the way, I don't just treat dogs and cats. I mean, I treat rabbits and, <laughs> and I'm actually at State Line Animal Hospital almost full time and we are a small animal um, hospital. So although I can treat cows and horses, I, I tend to stick with the small animals. But, you know, if you have a ferret, bring it on in. So people say, how do you know if your pet needs chiropractic care? And real interesting because a lot of times you don't know they're very good at hiding it Mm -hmm. i I tell people that um, in the wild animals cannot show pain or weakness or they'll be killed it's a survival of the fittest mechanism and so what they do is when they hurt themselves they just kind of pop up like uh you didn't see that i'm fine you know Mm -hmm. i'm okay and then what they end up doing is compensating which means they shift their weight a little bit they could walk a little bit differently they sit a little differently so that they're not going to feel the discomfort Mm-hmm. And they do that for a long time, and then eventually they can't compensate anymore, and they start showing some symptoms, which could be uh, hesitation to do something they've always done, like hesitation before jumping up um, on the couch, hesitation before jumping in or out of the car, hesitation to go up or down the stairs, things like that. Um, maybe they're uh, slower when they're getting up from a laying down position, or they're more cautious as they're sitting Certainly, if they whine or yelp at all with any kind of a position change or any kind of movement, that's an indicator that they need some help. If they have any lameness, any limping, you know, if they're sitting or standing asymmetrically, always look. And if your dog is sitting, both ankles and both knees should be symmetrically placed underneath both hips. They should look very symmetrical, Mm -hmm. right? And when they're standing and walking, they should look symmetrical if there's any kind of a Something that looks off, if you think it might look off, it probably is off. And it's probably been off a while because they, you know, they're so good at compensating, they hide it. Yeah, by the time you notice it, it's... It's been going on yeah, a while. It's an ingrained behavior. Exactly. And, you know, the sooner I can work on these animals... Just like humans. Just like humans, yeah. the 
the fewer treatments it takes and, and the better the outcome. And so I really like it when I get young dogs proactively that don't necessarily have symptoms. I always find something to work on. I always find some joints that are not moving right, some soft tissue adhesions, maybe from a slip or a fall on the hardwood. And I get that corrected before it becomes symptomatic. And with a young dog, you're training it to accept treatment. Well, that's true. I mean, the sooner you get your hands on a dog, you know, that's that's good. But obviously, if the dog's in a lot of pain and it looks like they're not, you know, moving their neck very well or, or uh, when you touch their back, you know, it, the skin crawls, things like that, those things are more obvious. But we really want to educate people and let them know, if your dog gets T-boned at the dog park, and even though your dog seems fine, you probably need to bring it in for chiropractic. Mm-hmm. If you're driving and you have to stop fast and the dog rams into the dashboard, well, that dog probably needs chiropractic treatment. Uh, if the dog slips on the hardwood, falls down the stairs, gets in a dog fight, any number of things, the dog's going to act like it's fine, more than likely. Mm, yeah, go yeah. ahead and get him in. Yeah, really. Just think of all the little things <clears throat> that happen to us uh-huh. that it takes weeks or months to, I, I'm just going to nurse that because you did have to come to a sudden stop right? and it jerked your neck in the car or banged into somebody playing pickleball. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, oh yeah, my shoulder or my hip is just, I'm tender, but I'm just going to take care of it. And you're taking anti-inflammatory, you're mm-hmm. icing it, you're doing the little things to nurse yourself along until you're better in a few weeks. Your dog isn't getting any of that. Mm-hmm. They're just, like you said, they're just hiding it. So, yeah, that should be a uh, a red flag or an indicator that at least get a checkup. Oh, sure. And some dogs are born with congenital issues that perhaps would benefit from chiropractic. Oh, yes. Um, hip dysplasia is a perfect example of that. I think a lot of people, they think of hip dysplasia as, oh, we're just going to have to keep our dogs on anti-inflammatories the rest of its life. Maybe someday we'll have to do surgery. That particular dog with hip dysplasia is at huge risk for arthritis in the hips as it ages. But I have seen a very different picture when that dog starts out young on chiropractic care. What I've found is if we do chiropractic treatments every couple months, and eventually that if we start young enough, we could even go out, you know, maybe every three or four months, depending on the severity of the hip dysplasia, we found that we can manage the condition with no anti-inflammatory or pain meds, no surgery, and we are able to prevent arthritis in the hips later in life. And so I like to encourage people, if they have a dog that has congenital hip dysplasia, really give chiropractic care some consideration because we have, have really helped a lot of dogs with that particular dis- disorder. That's going to improve their quality of life and hopefully mitigate treatment that would be necessary later in life by addressing it young and to put it in monetary terms, which seems somewhat crass. That's a good investment of resources, Mm -hmm. not just the money, but your time by taking care of it early instead of waiting for later in life treatment. Oh yeah. And even the cost of some of these anti-inflammatories you're going to spend more money on the anti-inflammatories, which the dogs will need if, if we don't do this, the body work. It's going to cost as much or more for the anti-inflammatories as if you would have just done the chiropractic treatments ongoing. So, And chiropractic doesn't have side effects on your liver and other issues <laughs> only that taking good, anti-inflammatory No, has. only good side effects. Yeah. 
Yeah, you don't have to have a uh, this long page of small print like you see in uh, magazine ads across the page from any drug advertisement. Exactly. And even dogs with some early stage arthritis, a chiropractic care can really help that. It cannot completely reverse it, but it can definitely reverse it to an extent. And more importantly, it can keep it from getting worse. We can also talk about diet. We can also talk about exercise. We can talk about weight loss. We can talk about a lot of other things you can do for your pet to um, give it the best quality of life. So then now to answer your question, if a person was interested in um, chiropractic treatment, I'll give you my website for that, www.chiro4paws.com. I'm going to spell that, C-H-I-R-O, the number 4-P-A-W-S.com. And there will be a link in the description for that as well. And um, the phone number is 913-210-5171. If you hit extension 1, that transfers you to Stateline Animal Hospital where they actually do my appointments for me. And if you have questions for me, you can hit extension 2, leave a voicemail. I rarely can answer my phone because I'm usually, well, you know how busy I am. Yes. <laughs> but if you leave me a voicemail, I, I do my best to get back within 24 hours. Our audience for Dog Words is dog lovers and animal lovers. And if you recognize, one, that your dog is exhibiting symptoms that perhaps would benefit from chiropractic treatment, or there's been an incident that might have caught your attention, even if your dog isn't showing signs of injury, but you know they had a rough day at Barquet, or you had a little fender bender, or they slipped on the steps, or if it's just an aging dog, get chiropractic. And if you're in the Kansas City area, contact Dr. Kimberly Hunt, go to chiro4paws.com. And again, Sunflower Rescue Group, Sounds wonderful, and mm-hmm. if you can donate or volunteer, just go to sunflowerrescuegroup.org. Again, links are in the description. Dr. Kimberly Hunt, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy schedule to come in and, and share all this information with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure. I'm Phil Hatterman, and you've been listening to Dog Words, presented by Rosie Fund. Thank you to Dr. Kimberly Hunt for joining us today. For more information on Cairo for Dogs, Stateline Animal Hospital, and Sunflower Rescue Group, use the links in the episode description. Next time on Dog Words, we'll talk to Beer Paws founder, Crystal Wiebe. Make a difference in a shelter dog's life by purchasing one of our We Save Each Other t-shirts at bonfire.com. The link is in the episode description. All proceeds go towards supporting our mission to help senior and harder to adopt dogs have a better life. Thank you to Alternative String Duo The Wires, featuring cellist Sasha Groshong and violinist Laurel Morgan Parks, for playing the wonderful music you've heard on today's and previous episodes of Dog Words. Learn more about The Wires at thewires.info and download their music on iTunes. Check out fiddlelife.com and learn to play fiddle and cello fiddle online from Laurel and Sasha, even if you've never played before. Use the link in the episode description to see their underground virtual concert series schedule. Purchase a single concert or buy the series ticket and receive a digital download of their holiday album. As always, please download, subscribe, rate, and share dog words. This helps us with sponsorships, then Rosie Fund can help more dogs. Send us your comments, questions, and suggestions, including letting us know what topics and guests you like, at rosiefund.org, and let us know if you would like to be a sponsor of the Dog Words podcast. Thank you for listening, and remember, we save each other.